0: Okay, Um, I I was glad that there was, that God was doing some things around the tassels up here for us, and hopefully that gives you um, some imagery that will change the way you look at God forever. Hopefully you'll never forget the tassels as long as you live, hopefully, hopefully. So I want to talk to you for the rest of the night about being a bride, being a bride, and this applies to men too, because we're called the bride of Christ. And I want you to realize that our whole life with God is about one big wedding. The whole whole of the Bible ends with one event called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. Everything is leading us to a wedding. And and, and a Hebrew wedding had five steps to it. The the first step was called Lakha. The the second step was called Segula. The third step was called Mikvah. The fourth step was called Ketubah. And the fifth step was called hupa, all right? So you had laka, segula, mikvah, Katuba, and hupa. so everybody can let's let's say those together, okay let's say, everybody say "laka, segula, lakha, mikvah, katuba, hupa. everybody say huppah, hoopa, iva, iva!" All right and and so. When God's biggest idea started, he was was talking to a group of people who were marginalized, oppressed slaves. And he gets them out of slavery into freedom, and he says, this is the light part of it. Now, that sounds like the heavy part of it. Jesus says, no, 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 this is the light part of it. The big plan is coming next. And what's going to happen now that you are slaves and you've been made free, what I'm going to call you to do is to set people free. And I'm going to empower you to do that by marrying you. I'm going to give you power of attorney on my name by marrying you. And and so the book of Exodus, if you turn in your Bible to the book of Exodus, and I'm going to take you through a track because the whole book of Exodus is just one big marriage proposal. It's God taking a group of people from slavery to freedom by marrying them. Now, for the purposes of this, I need a girlfriend. All right, so I I need a girlfriend who... Cecilia, Cecilia be my girl. Who doesn't mind being my girlfriend? I I guess Cecilia will do. Cecilia be my girlfriend. You are fine. You are just you're a fine young thing. Okay. All right. So Yeah, you can sit. You can say this is my girlfriend and and this is and, and so and so we're 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 dating now we're dating now. And, and, and how many of you remember dating? You remember dating? It's horrible. It's quite horrible, actually, because there's all these awkward moments in dating. There's all of these, aw- and, and it starts out with asking them out. Like, that's really awkward. And um, one of the axioms, and I have a whole message around this, if you want to hear it. It's in, it's in my message series on the cross um, about love is risky that love is risky, that, that the cross, that one of the messages of the cross was not about us going to heaven and hell. One of the messages of the cross is, is everyone who's been hurt is free to love again because you're free to risk again because Jesus took all the risk in love. He commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That, that, that whoever says, I love you first is, is, is taking all the risk, aren't they? Because what if you say, I love you, and they say, I know, <laughs> <laughs> what if you say, I love you, and they say, thanks? <laughs> Yee. Like you're taking all the risk. So, so we, we, we're past all that now. I, I've taken the risk to ask her out. What if I ask her out and she says no? Every step along the way in a love relationship is risk. And and by the way, just as an aside, this is not what this is about tonight, but if if you're here tonight and and you're married, um, and and there's been some hurt between the two of you, um, and and both of you are now protecting yourself and you're refusing to risk, um, you'll convince yourself that you're fallen out of love, but you haven't fallen out of love, you've just convinced yourself that you're not going to risk anymore, and as soon as you quit risking, you quit loving. And so the answer is if somehow you can get the courage to risk again. Because if you can risk again, you can love again. Okay? All right. So, um, so, so we're, we're dating. And, um, and, and, and things get past all the, the normal dating stuff. And, and it gets into chemistry. And now, like, we've really got something. And we really want to spend the rest of our life together. And so once that happens, she would be longing to hear a word from me called la ca. Laka. This is the first step in the Hebrew marriage process. It's called laka, and, and so one night we're, 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 we we we've went on a date and and we've we're comfortable with each other and um and and so we we've eaten stuff and and we're we're even past all the normal normal dating like like it's okay to even like have gas in the car or something okay and um. And, and so we're, we're past all that. And, and, and so there's, so I'm standing on her front porch, and I've got melted pizza cheese coming off of my mouth. And I've got oregano in my teeth. And there's just this moment. There's this moment at the front door, and, and everything just feels right. Everything just feels right. And my, st- my heart starts pounding. Boom, 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 boom. And I think, I can say it now. I can say it. I can say it. So I look at her, and I say, Cecilia laka <laughs> And so then there's this moment on the front porch and 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 she can't keep her hands off of me <laughs> and there's all this stuff and she's trying, to, she's trying to act calm on the inside, but I just said la to her. So she goes inside, and she calls all of her girlfriends, and she's like, he said la to me. He said la to me. Oh, my God. He said la to me. <laughs> this was la, ca, la La comment la comment, I want to make you my own. I want to make you my own, all mine. <laughs> How can you resist this? <laughs> like, my Lord. <laughs> so so, so in, 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 in the book of Exodus, chapter 6, verse 7, there's this group of, uh, there's this group of slaves, and God has gotten them out of Egypt, and he's moving them to freedom. And so this group of people who've known nothing but for 430 years, they've been slaves. 430 years, that, that's a long time. I don't know how long New Zealand's been a nation, but I doubt it's 430 years. That's twice as long as America's been in existence. 430 years is enough time to develop a whole culture around slavery and oppression and victim. And, and, and he's talking to this group of people, and here's what he says in Exodus 6, verse 7, and I will take you as my own people. If you look that word up in Strong's, it's laka. Laka. So, this group of Hebrew slaves who knew this whole process, the God of the universe looks down from heaven and he says, laka. Can you imagine how they would have felt? A group of people who would have felt less than. They would have been told that they're less than human. They would have been killed. They, they, they would have been tortured. They would have been all of this because they were told they were less than human. The God of the universe is actually. Can you imagine everybody saying, did he just say laka? Did he just say what I think he said? Like, did he just say, does he want to marry us? Like, does he want to make us his bride? Like, did, did he say he wanted to make us my own? That is laka. And he starts the process in Exodus chapter 3 by getting them out of slavery. And then he starts the process again in Exodus 6 by saying "Laka. So, so, so we're, we're dating. And I've said Ka and she's called all of her friends. Now, how long, it, once she hears laka, what is the next word she's longing to hear? Segula. She really wants me to say segula. And, and, and how long does the, does the euphoria of laka last? Now, now, maybe a month, maybe two. But after two months, her girlfriends will be calling her during the day. Girl, has he said segula yet? Has he said Sagula yet? He needs to be, where's he, is he scared of commitment? He needs to he needs to he needs to step up to the plate. It is time he has been sitting on Laca far too long. <laughs> so one night we go out on a date and we eat, I don't know, fish tacos or something. <laughs> and we're in the car on the way home. And there's just a moment. There's a moment. And, and, and I get her to her front porch, and everything feels right. And, 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 and she's, got, she's got a piece of that fish taco hanging off of her lip. And I look, and I think, oh, yeah. You're the one for me. And I, in just the right moment, I take her by the hand, and I say, Segula. Well, now she really can't keep her hands off of me. And she's trying to act calm, but inside her heart's fluttering. And she runs in, and she calls her girlfriends, and she's like, he said sagula to me. He said sagula to me. Oh, my God. He said sagula to me. (laughs) Sagula meant took laka one step further, and it meant treasured Possession. The girls love this message. <laughs> I, I've, been, I've been asked to preach this specific message next year at a national conference for women. <laughs> They're going to go crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, treasured possession. Treasured possession. It took Lacau one step further. It, it meant, I don't only want to make you mine. Like, Cecilia, I don't want to just make you mine. I want you to be my treasured possession. Everybody loves that, and, and so in Exodus nineteen, so the children of Israel they heard Lakah from God. So what would they be longing to hear for next? So So Exodus nineteen verse five. Exodus So this group of people, they're just journeying with God from slavery to freedom, and, and they've been in Lakah for a little while, I think like eleven days or something, and, and, and they they um, and, and they they they're they're standing um somewhere. And, and God says this to him, now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my commandments and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me. In, in the NIV, it says a treasured possession. The word special treasure there is segula, segula. So, so, so they, they'd be standing there and they, it would be like, wait a minute, did he just say segula? Did, did God, he said laka, and I think he just said segula. I I think, does he really want to marry us? Does he really want to marry us? Now, now the next, once you heard Segula, what would be the next thing you'd long to hear? Mikvah. Mikvah. Now, mikvah is a little bit more blunt and not as romantic. So we have a night. We go on a date. We go to see Rambo 4. Let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies. Okay, so we go to see Rambo 4. Yes. And then afterwards, we go and we shoot possums in a field. <laughs> and there's this just moment. I take her home, and there's this moment. And, 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 and there's this moment, and she smells... Uh, she, she shot a possum, and she went and got it, and then it used the toilet on the front of her. <laughs> and there's this moment I'm thinking, this is the woman for me. <laughs> and so I look at her, and with the longing of a treasured possession in my heart, I say to her, mikvah, mikvah. Mikvah means go wash. When, um, like, good Lord, you stink. Um, mikvah is what they, um, mikvah is what they baptize people in. They baptize people in a mikvah. It was a baptismal pool. It also meant go wash. It was very important that you were not tamay for your betrothal because you wanted to be able to be touched for obvious reasons, Okay. So, you, 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 wanted, you wanted to be Tehor. So, it's very important to the man that the woman was Tehor, um, a, a clean, was Tehor for the, for the betrothal because he wanted to be able to touch her. Because if she was Tame, he could not touch her. So, he would give her a warning that the betrothal was coming by saying, Mikvah, go wash. Go wash. The, the Hebrew people found this very important. Like, remember Esther? What What did she do before she went and saw her husband? She bathed in perfume for a year, which is a bit overkill, I think. <laughs> like, can, can you imagine the man waiting? Like, oh man, that's the longest bath in history. Would you come on? Like, but of course, he had like a thousand wives, so it didn't matter to him. But um, but but she she bathes in perfume for a year to go to, to see a mikvah was go wash a betrothal is coming now in exodus 19 verse 5 he says treasure possession in verse 10 he commands them to to prepare themselves for three days and to wash their clothes the word is mikvah wash to go wash so, so, so go consecrate themselves and let them wash their clothes. In, in other words, it, we're, we're going to be clean because a, a, a betrothal is coming. So here is a group of marginalized, oppressed slaves. And God is saying laka segulah, and mikvah to them. So what would they naturally be expecting next? Ketubah. Ketubah. Now, ketubah was a very important part of this process. This is where we get real serious. I'm going to ask her to marry me, but before I ask her to marry me, we have to work out a ketubah. We have to work out a ketubah, okay? And what would happen in that is this. (laughs) They're all ratting somebody out over there like, it was her, it was her. Um, Ketubah was your marriage contract. This... Let me give you some negative connotations of it. It was a prenup. This was a marriage contract. It wasn't so much a prenup, that's how we think of it, but it was it was positive. Every marriage had to have a ketubah. And, and, and can I be honest, every marriage today needs one. It, it was it, not a prenup. Every marriage today needs a agreement between the husband and the wife as to what boundaries are going to define our marriage when i do premarital counseling now or when i do marital counseling i always i always sit down and i'll say what is your ketubah and of course they never know what that means and so they say what's a ketubah and then i explain it and now then i say what is your ketubah and i can't tell you the number of married couples who have no idea what their basic agreement is So so I would sit down with Cecilia. It would be me and my father and her and her father. And we would sit down and we would make a ketubah. And I could put anything in the ketubah I wanted. And she could put anything in the ketubah she wanted so long as we both agreed. Because how can two walk together lest they be agreed? It was at this point that we determined what our deal breaker was. What's our deal breakers? You wouldn't believe the stuff that goes on in marriages. Uh, They they end up in my office, so I know. Like, you wouldn't believe the stuff, the the, the ways that, that wives address their husbands. It is unbelievable. The ways that husbands talk to their wives and treat them, unbelievable. These would have been deal breakers. We're talking about ketubah, a basic understanding of the boundaries that will define our marriage. We would talk about money. We would talk about sex. We would talk about power. We would talk about interpersonal communication boundaries. We would talk about expectations on both sides. And we would put it in writing. And we would make an agreement, a handshake agreement. Yes, we will live this way. This will be what our life is defined by. And once the ketubah was set and signed, that was the definition of our marriage covenant. This teaching that says marriage is a covenant, is it true? Yes, But the part of the teaching that is not true is this. Because marriage is a covenant, you should have to just put up with anything on earth. That is not true. It is dangerous. Every covenant had a deal to it. A basic set of agreements. And I'm not talking about no grace. I'm talking about basic expectations and basic agreements. Like like, let me give you something that was in every ketubah, okay? on the man side. It was called the doctrine of oil, bread, and shelter, which means it was the man's responsibility to keep the the family warm, fed, and dry. Okay, so if that man turned into a lazy bum who laid around drinking all day, they would have him for breaking his ketubah because he promised that he would keep the family to the best of his ability, warm, fed, and dry. And if you broke your ketubah, they had a word for that. It was called marital unfaithfulness. Because you're being unfaithful to your deal. And you would confront that. You would have to confront that one-on-one. Like if I was breaking my ketubah, she would have to come to me one-on-one. Then if I didn't repent, she could go to me two-on-one with her dad because he witnessed the ketubah. Then if I didn't repent, she would go get her pastors, and they would confront me with a group-on-one. And if I didn't repent, then they would flog me. (laughs) And if I still didn't repent, they would would say, you've done everything you can do. This is marital unfaithfulness. Mm. Mm. Like, and on the woman's side, and, and this won't be as popular, but, like, withholding sex was in there. Like, you couldn't withhold. And, like, Paul makes that very clear. New Testament, Old Testament, all of it. Like, he says, don't withhold. It causes bitterness. Uh, A man will lose his mind. (laughs) 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 And anybody here who's been married any length of time, they know that husbands love, wives respect, don't withhold sex, and put children in their right place. That's the way to do a marriage. And that was Paul's way thousands of years ago. That was his way too. So this ketubah would get worked out. Everybody understand what ketubah is? It was, it was and, and they, had, they had spiritual authority there too, by the way. And the ketubah would be me and my dad, her and her dad, and a spiritual authority there to hold us accountable that what we were putting down as a katuba was realistic. Yeah. I want sex three times a day. <laughs>
1: yeah, probably not happening,
0: right? Um, and, you know, I want him to build me a mansion on... Whatever, it it was, these were, you were supposed to, to, to have realistic expectations that were mutually agreed upon where two people could journey through life with a mutual agreement to what was basically going to rule their life on an everyday basis. It's not that we never waver, it's not that, it's just basic lines that say, this is how our life's gonna be defined. Does that make sense? Does that make sense, okay? Now, check this out, you're gonna love this. After the Ketubah was signed, we would stand up and face each other, and I would say, I go to prepare a place. No, no, I would say, will you marry me? And, of course, she would say, at that point, you've done too much work. She'd say, yes. And then I would say, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. And she would say, well, when will you come back to receive me unto yourself? And I would say, I do not know the day or the hour, but when my father approves the wedding chamber I'm building, then I will come back and receive you unto myself. Does any of that sound familiar? It's all wedding talk. All of this was happening all the time in weddings. It's all wedding talk. So I would go away, and I would build the wedding chamber. And then my father would approve it, and then we'd come back and we'd get her. And then we'd take her to the wedding, which is where step five is, and it's called hoopa. Hoopa. Now, there was two hoopas. There was hoopah at the wedding altar. You guys know what a hoopah is? It's a, it's a marriage altar. Have you guys seen "Meet the Parents? Oh, come on, don't be sober. No, I've never seen that. Now, you, it, remember, remember the friend, the rich friend to meet the parents? He made the, 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 the handmade hoopah? Yeah, it, it, was a, it was a wedding altar. In, 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 in um, Western cultures, we have lattice. Like you have an archway kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it, that's hoopah. And, and what it meant was it meant to be covered in God's presence. So all, everything that's fixing to happen, God, because to have a covenant, which marriage is a covenant, so to have a covenant, you have to have a deal, and you have to have witnesses, and so all of this was happening. That's why we do weddings today. You're making a deal in front of a group of people who are going to hold you accountable to that deal. That's what's supposed to happen, but that doesn't happen in Western culture because we're too private. We don't want people to know everything, and part of that's good, part of that's not good. And so the people who witnessed your wedding, they have no right in Western culture to hold you accountable to the deal you made. So you could start acting like an idiot and everybody just says, well, that's their life. They need to work it out. And they're in covenant, so you have to put up with whatever. No, see, in Hebrew culture, if one or both started acting like an idiot, the whole community banded together and held them accountable. You signed a ketubah. We were there. You're breaking your ketubah. And it was in front of us and it was in front of God. God. You can't break your deal. So you would make this deal. They would read the ketubah, and you'd have this whole wedding thing. They'd read the ketubah, and, and basically do you, I do, do you, I do. Then they'd have this salt ceremony and, and where the, 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 the groom would have a, a baggie of salt, the bride would have a baggie of salt, and, and, the, and the priest would have a, a big empty baggie. They'd take the groom's baggie of salt, they take the bride's baggie of salt, and then he'd, he would take it and he would mix it together and he'd go, what God has joined together, let no man tear asunder. And then he would take this, the mixed up salt and sprinkle it on their hands. It was called the covenant of salt. And, and, and so after the wedding, after the wedding's over, then we go to the second hoopah. which is my personal favorite. <laughs> the second was in was in the marriage bed. And and it was this. And they would take the four stakes and they would make a canopy with this over the marriage bed. So this is what would happen. The groomsmen would march me and my new wife to the door of the marriage chamber I built. And then I would catch my bride up. Do you guys do that here? Like it's a good plan for some. It's not so good for others. (laughs) So I would catch my bride up which was called rapture. Okay. The word rapture means to catch your bride up. All right? That's where we get the word rapture from, okay? So so I would catch my bride up. I would walk her into the marriage chamber. The groomsmen would shut the door behind me, and they would wait outside (laughs) while we consummated our marriage. Under the hoopah, like they weren't near as ashamed of their sexuality as we are, like if you read particularly the Old Testament, they wrote things about themselves that I thought I wouldn't have shared that <laughs> yeah yeah so so they're they're all waiting outside while we're you know, yeah, you know, and um then we'd come out and we'd have a party and 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 that was, that was a wedding. So, so, so the Hebrew people, they, they, they heard lakah, they heard segula, they heard mikvah, and that's Exodus 19. So what happens in Exodus 20? Ketubah. And what happens, what happens in Exodus 20? Come on, what's in Exodus 20? The Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments is a marriage proposal. The Ten Commandments are not ten conditions for God to love you. It is ten proofs he already does. You're not proposing to people you don't love. Now, think about the Ten Commandments from a marriage proposal standpoint. You should have no other gods before me. Well, that makes sense. If we're, in other words, if we're going to be married, I'm going to be number one. And let me tell you something, just from a psychologist standpoint, okay, if you took God out of the picture, if the Bible had not been discovered yet, okay, if you took, if we had no instructions from God on how to live, I can tell you as a psychologist that for a marriage to work, the man has to be number one and the wife has to be the treasured possession. That's the only way for a marriage to work. So God's like, I'm going to be number one. You're not going to have anybody ahead of me. Is that, is that, is that fair enough? Yes. Okay. Um, you're not going to carry graven images or any likeness or anything. And in, in other words, if we're going to be married, you're not going to have pictures of your old boyfriends. No. Oh, and you're not going to use my name in vain. In other words, you're not going to sign checks that I wouldn't sign. Yeah. You're 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 not going saying God's name in vain has nothing to do with saying, you know. Oh, God, or something, although it's probably distasteful and we probably shouldn't do it. It's, it. It has everything to do with using God's name on something he wouldn't have used his name for. Uh, oh, and oh, and one day in seven, it's just going to be me and you. There's going to be a Sabbath one day in seven. God had a way to keep his marriage together, and what he did was one day in seven, and seven times a year, it was just him and his spouse. That's what, he, that's what happened. That's how he tried to keep his marriage together with Israel. One day in seven, and seven times a year. And they still were maritally unfaithful to the point that his anger burned against them to where there was no remedy. And in the book of Ezra, it says he divorced them. And he married the Gentiles. Mm. Which should mess some of our theology up. Yeah. So he, he did everything he could do, and yet they were still maritally unfaithful. Everything he could do. Mm. So, 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 so this ketubah comes down. This ketubah comes down. And it's a marriage proposal. So what happens after the marriage proposal? Hoopa, Look at verse 18. This is so cool. Verse 18. It says, now all the people heard. It's the actual word there is heard. They heard the thunder and the lightning and the sound of a trumpet. And the people saw the mountain filling in smoke. So so they so they see, so excuse me, they see thunder, lightning, and billows of smoke, and they hear the sound of a trumpet. They see thunder, lightning, billows of smoke. They witness thunder, lightning, billows of smoke. They see it. The word is see. We saw thunder, lightning. Now my question is, how can you see thunder? And you can't. So I went and looked it up. The word thunder is the word kole which everywhere else in the Bible is translated voices or languages. So the people are standing at the base of the mountain, and they saw the mountain filling in smoke, Hoopa. So they're standing there, and a hupa appears. They've already had lakah, they've already had segula, they've already had mikvah, they've had a ketubah, and now they're standing there, and a hoopa, a giant hoopa appears. And they look up, and they see languages inside lightning, or fire. They see voices inside fire. The Talmud Talmud says that on this date in history, God proposed to the entirety of creation through 70,000 tongues of fire. Uh, in, in In 1856, There was this English sociologist that went to Rangoon, Burma to study the people there. This was before electricity, before phones, before internet, before cable, before any of that. And he went to this tribal people in Rangoon, Burma, and he said, who is your God? And they said, we serve a God named Yah who proposed to us from fire in the sky. (laughs) Hmm. So they're standing there, and a hoopah appears. And these languages of fire sit over top of them. What are the voices saying? Will you marry me? Will you marry me? And they reject it. They say, no, no, Moses, don't let God speak to us anymore lest we die. You speak to God. We want somebody to go between us and God. We're not worthy. We're not worthy of this. We can't have this. So God instituted a feast every year on this day to commemorate it. You can read about it in Leviticus 23. We don't have time tonight. It's called the Feast of Pentecost. The Feast of Pentecost. Because when you're standing at the base of a mountain and you see the thing fill up in smoke and you see tongues of fire over their head, where do you see that happen again? Acts chapter 2, which is the day of Pentecost, which is the exact same day as that. It's just the anniversary of that day years years later. So... So every year on that day, they had to come together and they had to celebrate this day that God proposed to them. And on that day in Leviticus 23, it's the only place in the whole Bible that they were commanded to bring bread made with leaven. Everywhere else it had to be unleavened bread. But on this day, it was different than all other days. They had to bring bread made with leaven. And what they would do is they would offer this leavened bread to God as an offering. What was that saying? God, we're leavened beings and you're unleavened beings, but you're willing to become one with us. Thank you. So the priest would say something like this. I thank you, my God, that your unleavened life is willing to become one with my leavened life. He would give thanks. And then he'd bring the leavened bread down and he'd break it and he would take oil, symbolizing the Holy Spirit, and he would fill the leavened bread with oil. And after he filled the leavened bread with oil, he would say, now the day of Pentecost has fully come. Now the day of Pentecost has fully come. So so one day, one year, they're all together celebrating this. They're all together. And some of them would have been just going through the motions because they had to. And some of them would have been truly lamenting the decision of their ancestors not to follow God. And some of them would have been into it But the priest, he says, now the day of Pentecost has fully come. And it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all together in one accord. And the whole room filled in smoke. And over their head, they heard the sound of a trumpet and they saw tongues of fire. It's the same exact event on the same exact day at the same exact time. What are the voices saying? Will you marry me? The only difference is this time they spoke back, which is the birth of the church, which is the bride of Christ. Pentecostals for years have said, you got to get the leaven out of your life for God to use you. You got to get the leaven out of your life for God to use you. And hear me clearly, you need to get the leaven out of your life because God wants you to have the best life but God always uses imperfect people. The thought that you're not worthy to approach God because you've got issues is a problem. The whole point of Pentecostals for years, you got to get the leaven out of your life for God to use you. You got to get the leaven out of your life for God to use you. But the whole point of Pentecost is oil flows through leaven. And aren't you glad? Come on, how many of us are glad about that? Oil flows through leaven. In other words, let me just say it this way. God wants to marry you, leaven and all. God wants to marry you, issues and all. Do you realize that God was proposing to a group of oppressed slaves, all they knew was slavery for 430 years. How much issues do you think they had? He was proposing to a group of people that he later had to say to them, don't have sex with your mother, it's a bad plan. That's issues. When you don't know it isn't proper to have sex with your mother, when God has to tell you that, you got problems. He had to later tell them, don't throw your children in fire. Like these people had issues out the wadzu. <laughs> and he still wanted to marry them, leaven and all, because he knew if he could become one with them, every part of their life that's tame would be made tehor if he could just get a hold of it. Hmm. I bless you tonight to know that you are called to be the bride of Christ. That he wants to make you his own. He wants to make you his treasured possession. He wants to clean you up and give you the best life possible. That he's called you. He believes in you more than you believe in him. He has called you to wrap your life in the tassels and take these tassels to this whole community and ultimately this whole world to surround everybody in your contact with the compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love God, to let the whole world know, to Talit Ha-Kum, my child, the presence of God is here. That is what we are called to be. And that is connecting to kingdom power. And that is taking this kingdom message to the world. That, I bless you tonight to know that God wants to marry you, leaven and all. And he wants to take your leaven and turn it into something so awesome. So what's your story? Who needs to hear your story? And what are we doing about it? I bless you tonight to know that God believes in you more than you believe in him. He has an incredible, he wants to be one with you. He wants to marry you, leaven and all. Lord, would you um, send us away tonight with your blessing and, 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 your, uh, and your touch? And would you send us away tonight with the tassels wrapped around our hands that, that we are called to be peacemakers, that we are called to bring heaven to earth and not hell. Would you make us ministers of the kingdom of God? In Jesus' name, amen. Now, now on Sunday, um, tomorrow I'm off, I think. is Sunday. Uh, we'll be here Sunday morning, Sunday night. And then next week, we're going to continue this, these seminars, and, and it has a different name. It says leadership on it, and let me tell you, it's going to be, it, it's, I'm just going to continue right on from here, and I'm going to tie these kingdom principles into our everyday lives, and it's going to get better and better and better. I'm just going to keep going, so you don't want to miss next week. It's going to build up, and it's going to build up, and it's going to build up until next Sunday night. It'll be the most important message I've ever preached in the world, so I look forward to journeying with you over the next few days. And, uh, and, and I, think, I think we can believe together that at the end, we'll be changed and different people more into the image of our almighty God. God bless you tonight. Thank you for having me as your guest.